Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the CollectingCast.com podcast with Chris Harris and Edward Lovett. Hello and welcome to another Collecting Cars podcast. I'm sorry if there's any residual noise in the background, but today I'm at Silverstone uh, with someone called Jensen Button. You might be familiar with him. Um, And he is, this weekend, doing his first ever British GT race. And he's just done a little press event. A bit lower key than what you're used to in your F1 payday, isn't it, Jensen? So tell us why you're back, first of all, racing in British GT. First of all, hello. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm very good, how are you? Yeah, good. Um, Well, I am doing the last round of the British GT Championship in the the UK, um, obviously, as it's the British GT Championship. Uh, But uh, I'm racing for my team. Jensen Team Rocket RJN. Uh, we've we've uh, had a car in the championship all year. Yeah. Uh, we're two young guns. Uh, one's a gamer. It's his first year actually driving in reality, and he's really, really quick. They're having a cracking season, aren't they? They are. I mean, they, they've been a little bit unlucky with the weather because, first of all, they won the first race. Yeah. They tested the car for one day. That was it. And they won the first race. Um, but then it rained, as it does in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they'd never driven the car in the wet. So they struggled to get the balance right, um, and it took a little while, and they've lost a lot of points because of those wet races. So they're currently fourth in the championship. They, they can still win it, but it's going to be a tall order. They need a bit of help from another team, maybe their sister car, which is myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like the old Formula 4 festival where you'd get a, you'd get a rogue in to yeah. be a rear gunner. Oh, totally. Are you rear gunner? I like to think of ourselves as the Steve Soper of BTCC. Ooh. So I'm coming in, and, you know, remember the Texaco yeah, Sierra yeah, yeah, Cosi? Yeah. <laughs> And I used to love it when he'd come and race Rouse come yeah. in the Caliber, in the Caliber Cosy. And uh, he used to come in and fight for the win with him and, and push him a little bit harder. And that's hopefully what we're going to do this weekend. I think it's really interesting that you've done this. and that You've done lots of racing. You did Japanese GT. You've done lots of other stuff as well. And also your Baja stuff, which we'll talk about. A lot of people, when they retire in your position, um, just disappear from the sport. And I think that exposes them as maybe being career racing drivers and not real racing enthusiasts. But you clearly can't kick the bug. There's two things. I think one, yeah, they've, they've done it as a job. 
Um, but for me, this is the dream. It's a, it's a job, it's a hobby. Um, and, and I don't mind putting myself out there as well. I think that's, that's the issue for a lot of F1 drivers. You know, they've been at the pinnacle. They don't want to go and race with amateurs. For me, it's, it's all a bit of fun. It's like going indoor karting in a way. You know, I actually yeah. love it. It doesn't matter what I drive. I want to go out there and have fun. And I want to be competitive. Could you say that? if you hadn't won the Formula One World Championship. Because once you've done that, you have nothing left to prove. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people are going to expect me to win next weekend that don't know GT racing. But I can tell you can tell you this, these, these things from what I've heard are not easy to drive. I've never driven with ABS and I've never driven with a car this heavy. So yeah. weight transfer and everything, it's going to take a bit of time to get used to. But I'm really looking forward to it. I love Silverstone. The field's pretty, pretty uh, competitive. There's a couple of guys in there that are top, top, top notch. Uh, yeah. Berman, I mean, he's one of the best GT racers ever. Um, you got Phil Keane racing. Um, I mean, I remember these guys when I was growing up watching them race. Um, Collard, Rob Collard. I yeah, mean, yeah. he's like 50. Uh, and just he's back racing. from a very good race at Spa, I think. Yeah, they, they, they just class. they just won their class at Spa, the 24 hours. So it's a, it's a competitive field, and we're also going up against our sister car, as I said, both young guns doing a great job. Uh, and I'm, I'm more importantly, I'm alongside my best buddy, you know, Chris Buncombe, Christopher Buncombe, Chrissy as I know him. Uh, we we've never raced together on the same circuit on the same weekend, let alone in the same car. Um, Chrissy won Le Mans back in 2007 in LMP2. Um, I've obviously won, won the F1 World Championships, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, so we're coming together, a lot of experience. He's a bronze. Yeah, that, were, that irritated me in the, in the years I raced against him. The fact he was a bronze yeah, so would we, irritate in, me. Yeah, in GT racing, for people that don't know, you get, you get um, it's graded as drivers. And, and I'm a platinum because I've raced in F1, and I don't think it changes. Well, I might do, actually, when I get When you're 50, 50. You go down, you'll go down to gold. Oh, that's useful. Yeah. So it changes nothing. <laughs> um, but Chrissy was... Chrissy was out of racing for seven years, um, so he lost the grade, so he went down to silver. And then he turned 40, uh, he's now 42, uh, and, uh, and he went down another grade, so he's, he's a bronze. So we're a pro-am lineup, um, which is very exciting. It's caused and, a little bit of consternation amongst the British GT regulars, hasn't it? Yes, it has, uh, which, is, which is fantastic. But that's what the grading system's all about. It's about grading drivers on, on their experience and their age. And, uh, and I'm 40 now, so we're, we're almost the oldest driver pairing. You know, we're 82 years between us. Our teammates, they're 42 years between them. So pretty much your age. In yeah, wow. exactly. So, um, but no, it's cool. There's, there's the Silver to Silver Championship in British GT, and then there's the Pro-Am. Um, but basically, you're all racing to win. Uh, look, SRO did a great job. I, I've been amongst their stuff for a while. People whinge about the balance of performance and stuff, but you know what? There is no better racing on the planet. Yeah. Stefan puts on a great championship. The, the variety of shapes, of cars, the brands that are represented, frankly, for me, I just love the fact they look like real cars. They look yeah. like something that's tangible, not yeah. like a racing slipper. Uh, totally, and a, and, a, and a Bentley is never going to beat a McLaren 720 if you just took the road cars no. and put them on the track. So they need to do balance of performance. But it doesn't take away from the fact that you can still do a great job that weekend on developing your car and putting it in the, in the right window. So um, that's why it's such a special championship. And as you said, they look kind of like road cars. I mean, not many people can go and buy this on the road, no. but a few of the cars you could. You know, the, the Merc, there's a Merc racing. Yeah. Um, they're tangible they're, yeah. they look like race on a Sunday flog on a Monday this, yeah. this vaguely fits with that strategy right let's get away from GT racing I want to ask you something I've always wanted to ask you as a, as a fellow Somerset boy what's it like when you drive over the line the Interlagos someone comes on the radio and says you Jensen are the Formula 1 champion and 
I, I suspect many, many years of your life coalesce into one moment. And I've always wanted to ask you what that feels like. Well, I kind of knew that I was there <laughs> before anyone <laughs> said anything on the radio. Um, first of all, that last lap, you know, people say they just want to get it done when they win a world championship. For me, I, I wanted that last lap to last forever because <laughs> you never know if it's going to happen again. And it never happened again. So I really enjoyed that last lap when I crossed the finish line and Shovelin, Shovers, as I called him, Andrew Shovelin, uh, was my engineer at the time. He's now the chief engineer at Mercedes and has been ever since Mercedes started. Um, so he's won multiple world championships since. But when his, his soft voice came on the radio, <laughs> Jensen, you are the world champion. Um, it was very emotional and tears in my eyes. And, uh, and, and then I went on to sing, you know, we are the champions beautifully. Sorry, Freddie. Um, but um, up, up until that moment, I had to wait 20, 30 seconds before I started singing because it was just so much, so much emotion because I went through so, uh, so much through my career of thinking it was over after one year in F1 to 2008 when Honda pulled out thinking it was over again. And even that one year with Braun, there were so many highs and lows. You know, I won six of the first seven races and then it sort of went that pretty bad up. from that there. they caught up. <laughs> and, and also, and then the, I felt the pressure. I don't mind saying it. I felt the pressure. And, and then uh, that came to Brazil. I qualified 14th on the grid. My two competitors, one was Rubens, qualified on pole. And my other competitor qualified 18th, Sebastian Vettel. So it was, it was mixed feelings. But I remember getting out of the car and I, I uh, was so angry with myself and angry with the team, to be fair, because we, we went out on the wrong tyres uh, and made a mistake there. Um, Travelled back to the hotel, sat at the bar with my dad, which is normally where you would have found him. And, uh, <laughs> and over a beer, I said to him, uh, I said, this, this isn't going to go on any longer. I'm going to win the championship tomorrow. I have to win the championship tomorrow. He just, just looked at me and said, go on, son. Uh, I actually feel a bit emotional saying that. But, uh, uh, and then the next day I woke up just so determined. And I walked into the engineer's office and I remember Ross Braun looking at me and giving me a little wink because he just, he knew what I was going to do. Um, I was so focused and uh, the rest is history. It's an amazing story, the Braun story. And th those that are new to F1 will not understand how spectacular it was, this idea that Honda left for sport, Ross Braun and some others get together. Nick Fry was it, and 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 they and they effectively buy it in inverted commas, however it works. And you're driving this car now. I'd like to think, I imagine in my mind that you got in this car the first day you test it, and someone like you, a bit like when Mario Andretti first drove a Lotus 79. I'm sure he went, "Oh, we're in here." Did you know? Well, the first did day, you know? <laughs> the first day we drove the car was actually. 200 meters from where we're sat right now. Was it? Yeah, because we drove it around the Stowe circuit. Um, the lovely Stowe circuit. Yeah, exactly. The tiny <laughs> little, basically the school track. Uh, and, and as you know, we've, we, we've just been doing a, a photo shoot with the cars, um, with the GT cars, but also the Braun is here. The Braun is we, here. We, so we, we actually look at it right. now. It's being loaded onto the Tell you what, and it's a pretty thing. It's a pretty lovely small racing car. We'll, we'll, so come small. Yeah. we'll come on to but, that in a minute. We'll come on to that in a minute. But anyway, that's the, that's the actual car that we, we were testing 200 meters from here when we first launched the car and first drove the car and sh shook it down someone just showed me a video of it actually running over there which is quite cool um, and uh, and I first drove it and th the main thing then was not oh this is going to be a race win it was nothing's gone wrong you know we drove it out of it's the tent <laughs> yeah drove it around for a few laps installed it and then pushed it for a few laps and uh, 
And I was like, yeah, nothing's, nothing feels wrong with it. And that was the thing, it was so cold. You're never gonna feel how a car works, but normally when you pull out a car, all the electronics on it, something goes wrong. Yeah. Nothing went wrong. Smoothly, no issues whatsoever. Put it in the truck, and that's when we headed down to Barcelona for the first test. Pulled it out, did the first run, and uh, immediately I knew the car felt good. But I came in and the, my engineer looked at me and smiled. I'm like, what's he smiling at? I said, so how was it? I went, it's all right, you know, I think we can improve the car a lot. And he, and he started giggling. I was like, what are you laughing at? He said, well, you're like four tenths quicker than anyone. They've been testing all winter. <laughs> this is the first four laps of the car. I was like, okay, right, okay. Let's add a couple more turns of front wing. Um, there's, um, you know, and setup changes. We lowered the ride height to get it working and, and it came alive. And we ended up seven tenths quicker than that. I love it. This idea, of course, it was painted as an underdog story, but of course, really, it was. It was a. It was. It was a car that had been developed already, that had been bought on spec. Wasn't oh it, yeah, really? I mean, it probably spent more than any other team to get that car on the grid. <laughs> you know, the the aerodynamic package and the the work that went into not just the rear diffuser, but the whole car itself. A lot of the work came from Japan. It was actually Honda Japan. Yeah. I actually remember that test. Lewis was driving. Uh, and he just won the world championship. I remember driving around the outside of him at turn three. <laughs> <laughs> I was just past the, the ex-world champion waving at him. Bye. It changes very quickly sometimes in sport, doesn't it? it One does. minute you are. So you're there. Yeah. So the highs of that. And, and let's face it, as a, as, a, as a cub journalist back then, when you started your racing career, you were viewed in my world as being wonderfully ebullient, fun, a little bit out of control, not always perhaps as well managed as you might have been, um, but it all looked like great fun. You had a lot of fun racing, you, didn't you? you? That is, yeah, that's exactly as it was. It looked great. You, yeah. I wanted to be you. I didn't want to be one yeah. of the others. It yeah. was like, Jensen's doing it right. The more <laughs> I, they're whinging about him, the more he's doing it right. Well, I was, but then there were times where I wasn't. And, uh, you know, I was having so much fun. And my first year in F1 was, was so straightforward. You know, the car felt great. Frank and Patrick were very forgiving. I didn't really crash, to be fair, in a race. I don't think I ever crashed in a race. But um, very forgiving. Uh, I remember one, one time in, in, in Hockenheim, uh, Frank said, you're a, you're a second slower than Ralph, your teammate, on the pit entry. He said, I want you to push harder next time. So I came in, lost it, put it in the wall in the pit lane. <laughs> and I trundled back to the pits. And uh, Patrick came and said, Jensen, what, what the effing hell were you doing there? <laughs> and, uh, and, and Frank shouted over. He said, Frank, uh, Patrick, be quiet. Jensen, I'm proud of you. Thank you so much for pushing. I'm very proud of you. Just next time, take it a little easier. So, I mean, I could get away with anything with Frank. Do you think that was with Frank because you were English and not German? Possibly, possibly. <laughs> um, but he was great. And then the second year, I got signed up with Benetton, really excited. And um, yeah, my talent was not enough. You know, I, I was terrible at engineering a car. I had no idea what to do. I, I had no understanding of a racing car. At all. What, even through F3? No. And I remember actually when I got my drive with Williams, um, I, ha I drove the car and I was two and a half tenths quicker than their test driver. And then they made me do an exam. They, s they said, right, here's the questions, fill out the answers. I had no idea. I, I got probably three right in 20 questions. So, so to, go, to rewind a bit from there, karting, you made your name in karting, your father obviously legendary kart man, engine builder, you needed the John Button engine, of course you had to have it. So did, where would you progression straight from karting straight into F3? Ford, I did Formula Ford. Formula Ford, so you, so you had to yeah. do that, yeah, okay. Yeah, I did one but you didn't learn Ford. anything in Formula Ford about well, setup. But it's completely different in a Formula I mean, a go-kart is the opposite of a racing car, yeah. which now I go back to karting, I'm like, I'm, I'm so confused. I want to I change that because it should do this. And they're like, no, no, it does the opposite in a car. Like, how can it do the opposite? <laughs> <laughs> it's got four wheels. 
and it's made of metal. Um, but um, yeah, so then I did Formula Ford. No, I didn't really. They were so it was the Migo. You just slid it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So different. An F3 car just worked. It just worked. And, and the Williams just worked as well. And then I got in the Benetton, and it was upside down. Nothing worked. And my teammate was Giancarlo Fisichella, who's notoriously good at driving really bad cars. Yeah. Um, so he he blew me away a lot of the time, and uh, mentally really hurt. I didn't get it. I thought. Also, you're quite an affable young bloke at that point I presume your default position is everyone's my friend unless they present themselves otherwise no, totally. so how did you deal with that sharky uh, world of F1 well I really struggled because I just didn't think I was good enough uh, <coughs> I thought I'm not driving quick enough my, I just don't have any skill and, and to be fair Flavio was really tough on me yeah. um, I remember I I'd finished 7th in Monaco which these days wouldn't be too bad but I was just off the points which were top 6 and he said what were you doing were you driving around looking for an apartment or a boat to buy and it's like wow and I got out of the car my power steering had failed as well in the race so I had my blisters my hands were blisters not like these days where it's just easy power steering um, and so it was really tough and, but I needed that you know otherwise I wouldn't be racing in F1 past 2002 uh, you know they, they, they really pushed me hard and, and he said you need to knuckle down you need to do the engineering work uh, my engineers were softies get away with murder with them so I'd turn up late wouldn't really understand what was going on just go, yeah, yeah yeah do that do that um, so how would how would the young Jensen Button have figured in the Red Dry, Red Bull drivers young drivers? I'd be Albon. I would be Albon. <laughs> would you seriously? Would be Albon. Uh, so how do you driver. view his treatment at the moment? Uh, the thing is, I I actually think that they've turned a corner with treating their young drivers. I think over the years they've been tough, especially yeah. with Gasly. Yeah. I think with Albon they've realised they need to take it a bit easier. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe work with him with engineering and, and try and get him up to speed. I think the biggest issue is he's got the quickest driver in the world for outright speed as a teammate. He's also set the car up like he wants it, which is on the nose, very oversteery, uh, and no one else can drive it. Interesting you say he's the quickest driver in the world. Do you believe that? I, over one lap, I think yeah. he probably is. Um, in a race, who knows? I think him and Lewis uh, are up there. I also think Charles is with them. Uh, at the moment, I think Danny Rick's with them. Yeah. I think those four stand alone at the moment. Yeah. And then I suppose it is who makes the fewest mistakes, and that's where Lewis is just a freak show, isn't he? He is at the moment. Um, and you look at his race pace compared to Valtteri. I mean, it's funny. Lewis is, is a different Lewis to what I knew. Lewis, when I knew him, was lightningly quick in qualifying, you know, like Valtteri can do. But in the race, he was quick, and then sometimes he could get one over on you. But a lot of the time, he'd make mistakes, or he would not understand how to get from A to B as quick as possible he'd try and do every lap as fast as he could yeah, yeah. and he would destroy tyres he would overuse fuel um, choose the wrong strategy uh, but now it's a completely different Lewis yeah, he doesn't, machine, he doesn't he? do that well, also because he doesn't have a Max Verstappen pushing him yeah. he doesn't have a Nico, Hulk, uh, Nico Rosberg pushing him either yeah. um, I'm not going to say my name in that because that would be weird well hold on I do like the fact that you're you have to beat your teammate now how did you stack up against Lewis the, the EU race with him it was pretty uh, good wasn't it it was good, and, and yeah, he beat me in qualifying. Um, he won more races than me, but I think he won, I won eight races, he won 10 races. So it was pretty close. Um, we had a lot of great races in our time together. Um, for me, he was quicker than me in qualifying. You know, I out-qualified him a few times, but nothing like he did with me. Um, but in the race, that's when I could, would come into my own, and I knew how to work the car, work the tires, work the strategy, um, in mixed conditions especially. So. I, I loved our fights, and it was sad when he left the team. It really was, and I, I wish, I wish that I 
had the opportunity to race against him in a winning car, we were in a championship winning car. We, we weren't good enough to win the championship. No, Red Bull were dominating them, weren't they? Yeah, to that. be fair though, if one of us wasn't in the other car, we might have won the championship. Yeah, good point. We took so many wins off of each other. So, you know, one year we won six races, three each. Imagine the, imagine the other guy wasn't there. Yeah. Would have won six. Never thought of it that way. Yeah, so. So maybe it is right that you won an absolute duffer in one seat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? But I don't think, I think Mercedes, no one's going to beat them for many years to come. No. What a team. I mean, what a team. I mean, Lewis, phenomenal what he's achieved. But what a team. Yeah. They've won every year since 2014. It's outrageous. Every you, year of hybrid. Do you view that team as being the logical progression from, from that car we're looking at now? Do you still, because I, I don't make the connection, it's a Braun and a Mercedes, but actually that, that is the first Mercedes, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. yeah, it had a Mercedes engine in it yeah. as well. But it was designed by very different people. You know, uh, When you look at um, how Mercedes was post-Braun, the first couple of years, they were okay. They were okay, but but the middle of the field. Um, at that point, Mercedes turned around, I'm guessing, and said, this isn't good enough. Yeah. Let's pump loads of cash into this. Because the idea, Ross might not be saying this, not like me saying this, but I remember sat in a hotel room after we won the championship. We were in Abu Dhabi. No, we weren't. We were in Dubai, actually, in, in a hotel room. That's nefarious. You shouldn't be there at all. Oh, you, no. you only go to Dubai to do bad things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we just come back from the Who race. Who went there to do good things yeah. ever? <laughs> and uh, we sat there, and we're discussing 2010. He's like, Nico Rosberg is going to be a teammate, and uh, Mercedes is going to buy the team. Uh, but they're not going to fund the team. So they're going to buy the team, be funded by sponsorship money. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. Uh, but for, for me, I, I felt that it wasn't the right place to be because McLaren had come strong at the end of the season. They had the budget. Um, you know, you look at their history as well of, of winning over the years. Also, you must have, as a British racing driver, thought, I want to race at McLaren yeah. at some point. I want a new challenge. I want to race against Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. And that was, that was really exciting for me. Anyway, so, so the first couple of years of Mercedes, I don't think they were throwing money at it. And then suddenly they were. And they basically hired everyone from the pit lane. All the best aerodynamics. They, they had like five chefs running the team. Proper chiefs. Um, which I thought, that's not going to work. There's too many chiefs. And, uh, but it worked. And here they are. Six, seven years on the trot. Come the on being in a, hotel, in a hotel room. I've never said this in public. No, sorry, in a hotel bar at the Mervyn Pick in Stuttgart Airport, 2013. There's a guy from Mercedes, Bricksworth, hammered at the bar, and he carries on drinking with us. Two in the morning, he goes, this is May, April, May time, because we've got Lewis next year, and I went, no, you haven't. <laughs> and he went, I have. And, uh, and I, I said, that's a lie. And he said, and he said, when you see our hybrid engine and how far ahead of anyone else we are, he's going to win it three or four times on the trot. And I laughed and went, you're just drunk, piss off. Yeah. And I didn't put a bet on. And he was drunk, but... <laughs> but, yeah. I knew I, what he was I, talking I, about. It was also until classic EJ, Eddie Jordan, sort of poked it out that this was, might yeah. happen. We all thought it was fanciful that it would ever happen that he'd go to Mercedes, didn't we? Yeah. But, yeah, they, they have just... They've just rewritten the way that you go about competing in Formula One, haven't they? Yeah, they totally. I mean, but, yeah, but, but I mean, for the good of the sport or the bad of the sport, I mean, it's, it's, well, it's not. For the, it's not for the good of the sport, but it's not their fault. No, you know, they, it's it's militant, isn't it? I mean, they they have not really made many mistakes, and when they don't win a race, you know, it's it's like they've they've not won a race for ten years. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's scary when they don't win a race or they're not on the podium. Um, but that's the way it's worked for them. And Toto, uh, you know, as a, as a leader, as I think has been fantastic for yeah. that team. 
well, and, and obviously with when Nicky was there for so many years, it, I think that helped the drivers a lot because he understood how drivers are and how engineers are and uh, that language, how important that language is. So you in the motor car, I, I, I'd love to gas for one for ages, but what I find interesting is you like cars. You like road cars as well. You seem to have the same weaknesses that many of us do, that you can't help buying shit that ultimately is of little point. Yeah. Um, so what have you got at the moment? I've actually just sold a lot of cars. Have you? Yeah, just because... P1 gone? Because they're in America and I don't want to pay tax on them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to insure them and not drive them. So, yeah, the P1's gone. Um, I had a 6 and 5 that went. I had an F40, which went. Ah! Yeah, because I, I live in the States now and you can't drive them on the road. You can't go down any street. <laughs> You've still got a place over here, just bloody... I don't. You're I've not. got nothing over here. So um, I sold that. I sold a piece to the other day. Um, I, had an, I had a beautiful... Uh, um, 993 4S, 18,000 miles on the clock, silver with a uh, red, red interior. You sold that? Yeah, sold it the other day. Um, can't, actually, you get our, can't you get our mutual wait, friend Mason Farwas to get you a singer? He was actually living in his house um, <laughs> when I sold it, um, and I sold it on Renlist. Look at that. Did um, you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'd love to see the person collecting that one. Up. Oh, I just get it off Jensen. Hey, he bought it on the. He bought it. He saw it. Bought it on the same day. Paid me the money and picked it up within four hours. <laughs> Um, wow. But I've, I've got a 964, which I've played Picked. with a yeah. little bit, which is very cool. Um, what else have I got? I've got a singer on order. That's the only car that I have on order for the future, which is probably in 13 years' time, knowing <laughs> Mazen for Wazen. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I should he's like, he's like my best buddy, and still I have to wait for 17 years to get a singer yeah. car. I've not even bothered asking. They won't even build me one. Yeah, I mean, if you order now, it's 33 years. Well, I might get it before I die. Exactly. But there's lots of exciting things coming out of Singer at the moment, which, uh, which you won't talk about too much, but very, very exciting. But anyway, um, and what else do I have? Uh, You've got the Baja truck. I've got the Baja truck, which is sat in a garage somewhere. Um, I've got a Bronco, which is actually really, it's actually not mine, it's my missus' car, but I'll say it's mine. Um, I do have a couple of lovely Jaguars. Ah, you've got the bronze C-type, yes. the Fangio kind, inverted commas, that I sat next to You'd Chris's brother and basically sold myself around Italy in the Mille Miglia. Yeah, I have that car and uh, right. I drove it the other day. Absolutely stunning. They lovely. are gorgeous. Has it, got, has it got a naughty engine in it or has it got a normal engine in it? No, it's normal. and it's Yeah, it's normal. It's the same engine as you drove it. Is it? Yeah. That was uh, quite... That's quite hot for a C-Type. Oh, yeah, totally. It shouldn't be legal. I no. mean, it's, you drive in, you're driving like a bathtub. Well, it's like it's, a GT3 quick, isn't it, in a straight line? It's, it's freaking quick. Stupid. And you'd be, it's the only thing I've driven and thought, all oh, right, okay, this is, this is really dangerous. Yeah. Um, so I've got, I've got that, which is awesome. Um, so much great history of, obviously, it was Fangio's car. I was told to sell it by Ferrari because yeah. he couldn't own a Jaguar while driving for Ferrari. Um, it also did Milli Miglia many times. It's won Monaco with Alex yeah. at the wheel and uh, other races. It's done um, Le Mans. Uh, I've also got a very special XK120. Have you? Uh, which broke the 24-hour uh, speed record. With so is it alley bodied and everything like that? Is it all? With Sterling Moss. Oh! Yeah, so that's pretty special. Um, yeah, I was pretty pretty close with Sterling he was always sending me emails uh, trying to help me with my career and telling me to go to race an IndyCar and you know <laughs> race there for a couple of years you'll, you'll clean up and then uh, and then you can come back and race in F1 and get a proper drive um, so yeah it's, it's lovely to have that have that car we did a piece on him last night on Top Gear so we're recording this the day after the Sterling Moss thing went out and I have to say I haven't been a part of a film that's been so warmly received in such a long time you forget 
the national affection for the man, just what yeah. he stood for. Such a such a gentleman, but uh, such a lovely character. I just wanted to hug him the whole time. He was cuddly and small, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he's the only person that I actually was almost a bit shorter than me. Yeah. Really tiny. And I loved his use of the word crumpet. <laughs> Sadly, there's a lot of people that don't like that now. No. But But he was a man out of time. Yeah. And totally. I love this, this story about him doing the Millimilia and finishing the Millimilia with D- Jenkinson in 722. And he, he, he dusted off over the Alps because he had a lunch date with a lady. <laughs> and he wasn't going to miss it. So he's basically nicked one of the team's cars, gone over the Alps to um, do whatever Sterling does after lunch. Yeah. And yeah. Amazing, amazing individual. He's racing, racing in his 80s, around Monaco, in a classic car. He he was an absolute... In period, yeah. He was a legend. So you've got those two Jaguars. I drove his Lotus as well, that he won Monaco in the 1961. Yes, that's what we we had that. The one with the open sides. Yeah. Because he was too hot. Yeah. Forget about safety, not that it did anything No belts, no No nothing. No belts, no. And I drove it around Silverstone. I drove it around Silverstone, where we are now. Um, And that was a lot of fun. Again, yeah, very emotional. I got to, so so Marino Franchitti drove it last week for another. It's been doing the rounds. Oh, it's obviously. done now then. Yeah. So basically, but Marino's saying it's jumping out a third because of me. But I reckon it might have been you because you had it first. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I I I I struggle to push those cars though. I don't want to hurt them. It's like driving the old McLarens. I've driven so many times or the old Hondas at, at Goodwood. I'm not one to do burnouts or no. or, or push them too much because. I, 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 oh, you don't want that on your CV, do you? No, that would hurt a lot. And I know a lot of drivers that have broken drive shaft. One being Karun Chandok, <laughs> who did a burnout Drop him in start it, line and he broke the drive shaft. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so... Um, would you would you race at Goodwood? Would you turn up and race an old car at Goodwood? I struggle with that because yeah. I, I struggle to get in something that I know could kill me easily if I yeah. go on the grass. Yeah. Uh, so IndyCar is one that I've never I've never wanted to do. Um, I know as soon as I get in the car and put my helmet on, I'll forget about the dangers, as you do as a racing driver. And you go out and drive as hard as you can. And I always will. Um, but um, when you're racing. So that's why I don't step into a car and drive around Do you wood. think your view of this has changed, particularly towards your mortality now that you're a daddy and you've got another one on the way? No. It's always been that way. I've is always it? felt that way. That I'm never going to step into anything that I know that isn't, isn't right. Uh, Hold on. I was in the same Baja race as you last year. <laughs> You had to camp by your car for the night. No, that, what part of that is right? But funnily enough, those things are five and a half tons. Um, five and a half thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah. Half? No, that's not that. So oh. they're about two and a half tons. Okay. Yeah. So it's not really, well, it's still really heavy. It's still, it's still yeah. five of your brawns. Well, uh, yeah, and you're in, a, you're in this roll cage, which is a, the truck. The truck is a roll cage. So if you hit anything, you're fine. It's what you hit isn't fine. Yeah, but if you hit an immovable object like a tree or a boulder, it's going to hurt. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, because it, it moves. They're so big and heavy. You're doing 100 miles an hour. They're, they're probably one of the safest things I've driven. I mean, obviously, if you've got something coming through the front, it's not the safest. Well, the bandito comes around the corner. You're camped out. Or falling off a cliff. I mean, there's a lot of that. You're driving along the edge of cliffs, and there's no, it's like, there's no armco barrier, is there? But no, Baja was one experience that I remember coming away from it saying, right, I'm done, never doing that again. A week later... When are we going? When are we going again? I'm not sure. That's the only thing my missus probably wouldn't let me do at an IndyCar. But um, no, I, I love that experience. You do the smaller ones, like Mint, and that's what you do, the shorter yeah, races. Yeah, because you're not falling. You, couldn't, you can't fall off a cliff. Yeah. You can hit boulders, but you can't fall off a cliff. Yeah. Or you, there's no one coming the other way, or you can't drive through a house. I was, secret, <laughs> I was secretly quite glad when the, the thing broke. broke. I was like, okay. Isn't it insane? Well, you, you broke down at the beginning. So you were driving along on these off-road courses with massive bumps doing 70 miles an hour. 
and there were trucks coming the other way. Because yeah, I realised, the co-driver was saying it's fine. I said it's not fine. The spectators leaving, and we're going at pace. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I, I... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I often... Do things where I have to go there and I don't get much time to prepare. And I'm very I'm regretful afterwards I didn't have a proper go at it. Yeah. But Baja, I think I'll leave. <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to do it next year? There's, we could do something together. In a truck, here. maybe. Yeah. But not in that thing. No, you've got to be in a truck. The, the thing, whatever yeah. it was called. That little shit But the, the problem with Baja is you, do, you, pre, you pre-run, even if you pre-run it, right? You get there to the race and it's rained like it did and it's a completely different course. Or the spectators move the course. So what they do is, yeah. they'll, they'll direct you a certain way, pretending there's an incident. They'll direct you, not off a cliff, but they would they'll dig out a hole so that you fall down this hole, or they, they'll put a jump in. Is so this you, just for shits and giggles, or do they oh, want yeah. to rob you? No, 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 they won't rob you. They, they do it for shits and giggles. So you do the jump, sometimes you land. If you don't land, they'll put you back on your wheels and let you carry on. So they'll, they'll help you, but they'll put you in danger's way in the process because they want to see you jump so basically if you see a group of people in Baja you slow down <laughs> seriously that's what the co-driver said he said you see people you slow down almost to a stop because they will booby trap the course the pre-run I didn't really understand my preparation for Baja was meeting you and Maz for a game of pool the night before that was my preparation for Baja I may be doing about two kilometres but I would like to say at this point how many other XF1 drivers are that would do that you Kimmy can't think of many others from no, that grid. There aren't. I'd like to think Danny Ricciardo might get no, involved. He no, wouldn't. he wouldn't either. No? No. Um, he wants to drive it. We talked about driving it, him coming out to the States and having a go in it. But um, having a go in it is different because that's fun. Yeah. But driving bars is another level. But maybe, maybe if you're around at the start of the year and we could do something together, we should try and do them in. I'd love to. I, I, I just saw the big trucks and I was in my little buggy and I thought, yeah, I, it's like being in the Iranian and going... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not properly equipped here, lads. <laughs> no, they're, they're monsters. So, growing up, you, you had no option, did you, really? It was always going to be this way. The name, what your dad did, it it's, was always going to be this way. It's not quite Scott Speed. No. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, you're right. Um, it was always going to be one way. Uh, and my dad raced in Rallycross. Um, first, it was um, uh, Autocross, yeah. which is basically... Put some cones out and my drive mother around, used to do drive around cones Western in the field. Beach, the bunkums, yeah. all that lot. My mother was all part of that crap really? as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he did rallycross, British champs, finished second in the British champs. It's like Dan Dan Welsh. Um, no, was it Dan? No, Dan was the son, wasn't he? I don't know. Was he the, was, it, was he the man to beat? Yeah. Oh, what's his name? 
Yeah, Dan was the son. I should know this. Anyway, but um, and Skanky, yeah. Shanker, Martin Shanker, Shanker. Yeah, you he seen was that video footage of him when he kicks off in some final, and he marches back on and starts lobbing stuff at the car <laughs> that's still going round. He was known for having a bit of a temper. Oh, with a little Martin bit. Shanker. Will little Gollop. Will Gollop. Yeah, but my dad raced in. Uh, he had a Beetle. Richard's rear wheel drive, um, loved it. 220, 240 horsepower, loved it. He's basically, it was half dirt, half tarmac, and you're racing around a track rather than a rally stage. Uh, and then he drove a Golf, VW Golf, which is front wheel drive, which wasn't quite as much fun. He didn't like it, um, but still drove it really well. Um, anyway, uh, I was born, first boy, and um, we got, I got to seven years old, and it was the choice of racing in, um, in the... Uh, what was the Metro? The 6R4. Yeah. He had a chance to race one of them or buy me a go-kart and go karting. And he chose karting, luckily. I mean, <laughs> he would have had a lot of fun in a 6R4. Those things were like 600 horsepower. Yeah. V10, wasn't it? Yeah. No, uh, no, uh, it was, uh, it's it was a, a V10. It's a V6. No, it wasn't. It was a naturally aspirated What, V10. in the 6R4? Yeah. Well, the homologation rally car was a V6. Oh, no, but the, no, but the, the rally it? cross car was they a V10. They had a V10? Yeah, it was a V10. What did it sound like? Oh, unreal. I sound like a V10. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Revved his nuts off um, and uh, naturally aspirated. But uh, he had the chance to drive that um, or, uh, or get me a car. He got me a car, so uh, luckily. Uh, so we went karting. He actually, the first time I drove around was around a pub car park. Little did I know where? the pub would have been Near very Froome important to me in my life. Um, where? He, he lived by a pub, right next to a pub. He had a little one-bedroom apartment, uh, which is off of a farm. What a boy. Yeah, so he lived in a pub. <laughs> yeah, he was basically. a racing driver, and you got your son karting. Yeah, I drove, drove past that pub regularly when I go to Somerset. Um, and, uh, and then we took me, took me karting, um, won my first race. And uh, yeah, and that was it, really. Got into karting. He didn't have the money to fund it, so we, we luckily got a sponsorship and a manager and what have you through karting. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, our family was big into to motorsport, but... Um, my granddad used to do autocross on my mum's side as well, which uh, my dad never knew. But uh, then they ended up racing together. So, so you, you um, I don't know, this is, I, mean, I lost my father when I was young as well. So, uh, you know, it's difficult stuff to talk about. And if you want to stop, we stop. But I think of all the F1 drivers, it was, it was very obvious to the viewers on television there was a special relationship between you and dad. Um, so how does that alter your view of fatherhood? Now you're in that position, it must make you think about it quite a lot, I'd thought. Yeah, it, it does. And... Um, you know, the old boy passed away in 2014 and it was a massive shock because uh, he was there for my whole F1 career as well. So it was a massive shock. It was unexpected and it shouldn't have happened. He basically fell and hit his head. Um, but um, it, it changed my racing career after that. You yeah. Know? Racing wasn't the same. But it, was, it, was it just as not, not as much fun or it didn't have the same purpose? What none, was it? none of it felt the same. You know. Because, you know, when I came in from a good run or a bad run in testing or qualifying or the race, I'd always walk past him. And sometimes it would frustrate me because he was there. But other times it was awesome that he was there. Um, he would never really say anything. He would just be in the background. Uh, uh, he would never comment on, you should have done this better or hard luck, son. He would Uncon wait unconditional love and support yeah. is a weird thing. He'd wait it? for me to say something. It's It'd like having a dog, there. basically. Yeah, exactly. That kind of knowingness. Yeah, and, and you know, I'd either walk up for a hug with him or, or a high five, you know, and uh, he was always there. So when, he, when that wasn't there anymore, it was weird. I was left, you know, wanting. I'd be there looking for him. And yeah, it yeah. just wasn't the same. So um, that really hurt, and that was part of the reason why uh, at the end of 2014, I was already saying I'm going to retire. My mates made me stay on, and it was probably the right thing to do. Yeah. Until I realised 
halfway through to halfway through 2016 that it I was done yeah uh, and that's when it was 100% I was done um, so yeah now I've got a son it's oh it's weird because every time I leave it gets harder and harder from home and uh, he's at the stage where he's he's you know he's he's trying to walk and he's trying to talk uh, but it's awesome you know my missus is great she's always sending me videos and photos and we have FaceTime now it makes such a difference yeah, yeah it does doesn't it yeah. we need it with the amount of travel and um, it's it's awesome and you know do I want him to race no because it costs a lot of money but it, I'm not going to stop him from racing you know if well, he you turns were given the chance so yeah, does that he, not yeah. mean no it does if he turns around and says dad I'd love to drive a go-kart I'm, I'm going to let him drive a go-kart but, well no that's going to happen because you're always out messing around with the, yeah, that exactly. person they talk about on a go-kart I am always driving a go-kart so um, but the thing is with him he's giant he's a giant baby he's almost he? as big as you well, I'm not big. But you're bigger than a 15-month-old. Is, really, is he a unit? He's really big. Where's that come from? My missus, uh, her family are, are tall, the guys in the family. So they, her dad's six foot three, her brother's six foot one. But they're also big. They've got big hands, big feet. And he's, he's got big feet and big hands. So that might save you millions oh, of yeah. pounds. I mean, if we can send him the Sorry, dirt... Sorry, son. Yeah. <laughs> if we can send him the dirt oval route and the NASCAR route, I'm 100% up for that because it means we can go and watch him as well. I mean, NASCAR would be amazing, but yeah, single-seaters aren't going to happen for him, I'm sorry to say. He's too big already. (laughs) But um, I would love to see him in a car, but I really struggle seeing my loved ones in cars. You know, one of my dad used to get in a car. He was really, really bloody quick. Um, And my sister and and what have you, I struggled with it because it really, I was like, don't crash. I remember when in 2000, when I was in F1, we went out to Norway and drove BMWs around a track in the wet and it, for him he was one of the best you would have loved him he was one of the best drifters I can imagine he was amazing I was terrible and I was I was a bit quicker than him but he could drift around a corner and be pretty much as quick as me trying to drive the car as quick as possible I was like I don't get this but he was always on the lock stops and uh, I really did love but that but you enjoying that more because I mean social media you've always taken the piss out of me for being slow and sideways which is exactly what I am but I got a hint of the fact that in Baja, a bit of looseness, you'd suddenly quite like that. Yeah, but when you need it, <laughs> when it's necessary. It's always but necessary, I, Jensen. I, I have to say, I, I've never gone sideways. I've never drifted a car. And I'm, I'm not joking you either. We have I've, to alter I've that. never understood how to drift a car because I've never tried. I mean, I've slid a car from apex to exit and what have you. And, uh, but I've never gone out and understood how to drift a car from entry all the way through to exit. Well, it wouldn't interest you and it didn't help you earn your living, did it? Why would you? No, also, I think that a racing driver has been programmed from a young age. There's something in your coccyx that tells you yeah. that once, you, once you've got like a your sensor basically <laughs> in your date yeah. that just goes and it's going sideways, straighten the fucker up, we're yeah. going too slowly. Yeah, I'm going slowly, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was never a fan of your, and it, um, it, the funny thing is there are certain things that you get your, and I love it because it's right. You know, like the truck, the Baja truck has to be sideways at times. Uh, a rallycross car has to be sideways at times, otherwise it doesn't work. But in a single seater, no, you've you got you to gotta limit that, that your. Um, how does the young Jensen Button deal with going from being the potential hope of motor racing to having money and fame and temptation and everything we know that looking back could be an utter disaster for someone like yourself. How do you deal with it? And it almost was an utter disaster. (laughs) Uh, You know, I spent a fortune and I had managers that basically stole money from me. And and I got to the 
was it, end of 2004, and I had nothing. And I had earned millions. Yeah. And I had nothing, because I'd spent it on stuff. Well, my first year in the sport, I bought a boat. <laughs> I remember uh, you buying a Ferrari, the yeah, press. <laughs> I, bought a, I bought a Porsche, first car was a Porsche, uh, Cabriolet, uh, which is lovely. Uh, I bought a Ferrari, which I still own. You still got it? Yeah, I still go. got it, uh, which is 355, got 9,000 miles on the clock, GTS, yellow. Good lad. Um, 183 miles an hour I got out of that. That's what it said in the speedometer anyway. Um, I, I bought, what did I say by that year? I bought a house, a uh, 2.2 million pound house. Yeah, a boat which is 800 grand and, and two supercars. I only earned $500,000 that year. My manager at the time was like, if you're right, you'll be fine. I was like, what? I believe you because you're a businessman. Um, so that was that. Um, and to be fair, I paid for it over the years. But then my next manager, um, I shouldn't have trusted, and I did, and he spent all my money uh, on his investing in his businesses, yeah. and all my money was gone. That was f- 2004, 24, been in Formula One for four years, zero. Because zero means the, you've got, you're sitting on millions. Yeah, I had zero in the bank. bank. Um, so then it had to start from there. Um, and I did earn a lot of money in my racing career. I also spent a hell of a lot of money <laughs> in my racing career. I bought another boat. But what's uh, the point? You've got to spend some of it, haven't no, you? No, exactly. And, and I didn't get to the end of my career and have... Uh, see in the morning. And, and I didn't have... Sorry, that's just, that's just the boss leaving, Bob Neville. Um, he's the RJN of uh, Jensen is. Team Rocket. So much history. Race Dakar. Uh, won Dakar in his class. Won multiple GT championships. Anyway. And was talking about being overtaken by Ronnie Peterson in the yeah. CSL earlier. <laughs> Sideways. a flat cap, which I quite like. Uh, and, um, yeah, I love his flat cap. But um, I've gone off track a little bit. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I just so, love, I, but this no, is what I live should the Playboy life. I don't style. want to hear a story about no. Jensen Button screwing it away, yeah. going to the accountant, no. investing sensibly. I want no. to know it was a nonsense. I've only just started investing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I definitely spent more than I, you could say I should have. Um, I wish I had. No, I don't wish I had more because I loved it. I had such a good time. I loved the this, this stupid trips to flying from a race to Saint Tropez, spending a night. Absolutely getting hammered <laughs> for two nights and finishing up Tuesday morning. I mean, the most time I've ever been flying to the next race and racing and winning. Yes, and winning the next race. And you know, but that's what it should be like. Yeah, I mean, at the time, you probably should be a little bit more professional, but when you look back, it's great having the stories. You know what I mean? Did, but do you remember thinking, I want to be James Hunt, I don't want to be Nicky Lauder? I didn't want to be as much. James Hunt as James Hunt was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I want to be in the middle a little bit, a bit balanced. But, um, you know, when it came to racing, I was very serious. And I had to be to, to get the best out of myself. But, um, yeah, I did have a lot of fun. And I did rent a jet now and again when I needed to to get <laughs> to a party. Did you ever buy a jet? I did own a jet, actually, <laughs> and a helicopter. <laughs> um, and I lost money on everything. And I didn't make money on much. Um, uh, do you th- but do you think... Having not come from vast wealth, it makes you feel less worried about potentially going back there because you no, knew you survived. No, I totally worried about it as did well. You? So I did spend money, but I also worried about spending money. So there was a kind of a balance. Um, and I came out at the end of my racing career and, yeah, did very well for myself. So I'm, I'm very comfortable. Uh, I'm very happy. Uh, but, uh, and I also know that I enjoyed myself a lot. You don't seem damaged by it. Some people are very defensive if they've been through the process you've been through. They've, they're not generous anymore. They're guarded. They assume everyone out there wants a free lunch. You're not like that. Whenever yeah. I've seen you, you've always gone, do you want a beer? Yeah, I, I didn't trust a lot of people, especially after my second manager in F1. 
Um, first manager was Dave Robertson and Harold Hoisman, who Dave Robertson was fantastic, and uh, his son and Dave ended up managing Kimmy. Ah. I think Steve Rob, um, Robertson still manages Kimmy. Well, that is that's that that during certain parts of Kimmy's career was quite a job, quite a task. Yeah, well, funnily enough, when they managed me first, or, or um, Dave Robson, who sadly passed away, he uh, he managed me, and that was the big thing. It was like we're not going to manage any other drivers, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm happy with that, and I I I need that really. I need just you to be looking after me. And then the next year they started managing Kimmy, and I was like, oh, that's that's what hurt our relationship a yeah. little bit. Anyway, the second manager um, that hurt a lot. That hurt me a lot. You know, I suddenly, then I didn't trust anyone. Yeah. Really struggled to make new friends because I didn't trust anyone. Yeah. My closest friends, like Chrissy, you know, he knew what I was like in terms of meeting new people. I was terrible. Really was bad because I didn't trust anyone. Um, so that was tough. So it took me a lot, a lot of years to get over that. Uh, and uh, you know, the great thing is now living in LA, I am, I am making new friends, but I'm still very picky with who, who I want to no, be friends. No, no, I don't no, trust no, people. No, no, you're not. The barriers <laughs> of entry are low. Because, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, amazing but, for us. I yeah. mean, dearie me. But also, you probably think we're friends, but we're not. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> think we're friends? Yeah. No, no, no. Good, no, good. I'm even You don't want to be my I'm, friend. I'm even more social than you, I can assure exactly. you. About three, <laughs> you are, there are three people I talk to in Bristol. You're socially uncomfortable, aren't you? Yeah, I don't like it. And also, so a Maz, like, I would consider Maz to be a good old friend, and I will not talk to him for three or four months at a time. No. And, I, and I will get a message that just says, hey, dude, how are you? And I'm... I'm alive. The whole yeah. point of a great friendship for me is that it doesn't require any maintenance yeah. and it picks up. And you up. pick up from... You yeah. pick up. You've not seen each other for ages. Exactly. And that's, that's the measure of a friendship. Yeah. But then I'm a damaged boarding school But we, we live in the completely different worlds. He's, in, he's living in the UK and I'm living in, in Australia, I was going to say, yeah. in, uh, in LA. So it's, um, we're 11 hours from each other, but we still yeah. spend a lot of time on the phone and we work together. So yeah, we're on the phone every day, actually. We speak every day. The, but so the LA move has worked. Yeah, I you love like it. it there. I really, really like What's it. What's the best um, thing? The space, the climate. What is it? It's twenty-eight degrees every day. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, I mean, not Somerset, which is one of the rainiest parts in the world. It is. I mean, when you come back, it is beautiful. I love the UK. It's yeah. so so green. Um, but um, he's being manhandled by Chris. You need to undo my flies if you want to get to that, buddy. <laughs> What's Car the keys? keys? It's like if you it's, def it's like your defender, that three-door defender. You blagged it. Really good. It looks lovely. It looks it's so much better than the five door. It, well, the, I like the five door as well, but it's no, that's, that's the X. That's nice. It's the X. You, te you tempted to make an order. I, I, they, I got it, and they, they asked me what I wanted to, to borrow, really, for a few days. And uh, it was either that or the big one, or the HSC Range Rover. And I've had them, and I love them. But I was like, I've got to try this out. So I did, it's and lovely. I bloody love it. Yeah. I, I, every time I drive a car because I'm lucky enough that I have driven a few different cars, but every time I drive a car, there's always something. I'm like, oh, disappointed with that. Not disappointed with anything with this. I guess maybe you don't expect too much because it's a Defender. Yeah. But there's nothing Defender about it. Look at those rear lights. How no. cool. That looks like no. Star Wars. No. But there's nothing Defender about it. No. It drives really well. It's really fast. It stops. I've never driven a Defender that does any of that. Yeah. Well, I don't get the Defender thing. I'm sorry. I... I, well, I love the look of a Defender, but you get in it, and most of the time, it's bloody awful. I bought one. I bought a brand new one in 2008 because I had this romanticised idea that all my children would drive it as their first car. We'd keep it as a family and all yeah. this other stuff. 
and it was shite. And after three months, I just said, throw it in the bin. It's terrible. Vehicle. Well, that's why a Singer works. Because every time you get in an old car, even when I get in a 1990s, the 993 Porsche, yeah. I look at it and I think, this is going to be stunning. You get in it and it, and it never feels like you think it's going to feel. Ouch. It's rubbish. But with the Singer, you get in it and it feels like you want it to feel. And that's why it's $650,000. <laughs> <000. laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, that, I, I thought that might be yours. That's really, really good looking. No, it's awesome. And uh, it corners well. It's got, it's got the big motor in it as well. So what's it, a supercharged V8? Or what's it got in it? No, it's V6. Is it's it? Turbo, V6. But it's got hybrid, so it fills in the gaps. Ah. Um, so it accelerates really well. It's still got the Range Rover brakes, though, which brake really hard. You touch the brake and you're through the windscreen. Yeah, and then, so. that, then that thing happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seatbelt tries to garrot you and you're like, oh. <laughs> But I mean, the brakes are amazing, but it just takes a little time to get used to when you haven't been driving a Range Rover for a long time. But um, no, I'm, I'm, they should be really proud of it. That's the best Range Rover I've driven for a long time. Did you enjoy Le Mans? I loved Le Mans. Because it, it feels like, to me like you didn't quite, that there's unfinished business there. I didn't like being there for a week. Yeah. I mean, going there for the photo in, in the town centre on the Sunday the week before, I didn't like. <laughs> I mean, and then you're hanging around for three days. It's too long. Yeah. Uh, this year would have been amazing because so it was a four-day weekend, yeah. five-day weekend. Um, but um, absolutely love the atmosphere. I'm, I'm such, for me, being part of a team is really key. Working with drivers, working with a team to, to build a team and, and to work on strategy and set up. And I love all that. And that's why it was great having a team here, you know. Um, but uh, no, I want to go back. The aim is to go back there as soon as possible. But the if real they open up to these GT3 things, how good would that well, be? Well, the dream would be to have a team there and race for that team. That would be the aim. Yeah. But I would love to do it with a prototype. Ah. Yeah, I'd love to do a prototype. Have you seen the regs for next year? No. The regs for next year, you have to have an AM. In do you? In, in LMP2. I know. That's quite handy, isn't it, Mr. Buckham? Yeah. He's, he's we twisted their arm, and uh, Chrissy's, uh, Chrissy will be a reasonably quick AM, I think, yeah. as he's won Le Mans, <laughs> as a pro. The FIO driver <laughs> rankings working well as you. Yeah, it is for us. <laughs> um, is there anything else you you want to do? Are there any boxes that remain unticked in the driving world? Uh, Le Mans is is definitely one of them. Um, I had a real itch to do uh, IndyCar, but not the ovals, do the street circuits. Um, and I had two tests set up with McLaren to do it to do the test. Um, first one, COVID struck. Second one, I was mid. Uh, it was in between the two Austrian Grand Prix F1 races yeah, yeah, yeah. and I could have flown back uh, it was fine but um, Indy said I, uh, they wouldn't let me in because I'd been in Europe so I couldn't do the test so basically the idea was to race next year in the media thing is going irritatingly well obviously but people like me that try to struggle along in a career in media and you just saunter in having been a racing driver and you tend to be rather good at it do you enjoy it? I you're, do. you're a flipping good pundit and I'll what? remove my nose from your backside but you're great I I'm enjoying it and I enjoy working with the people I'm working with. That's the thing. If I wasn't working with people I, I didn't like, I, I wouldn't do it. No interest whatsoever. I mean, it is like a school playground. I can imagine. It is like a school playground with everyone. There's so many people that are working for Sky Sports F1. Uh, it's hilarious, mate. You just sit there and listen. It's awesome. There's so much, so much gossip. Um, <laughs> like being part of a race team, isn't yeah, it, it, basically? Is. But um, for me, yeah, I work with Lazenby a lot and um, I just couldn't do his job. I don't get he it. Is so good at that job he's he's the best at his job yeah but i don't get it i mean i don't get how he does it he just suddenly switches it on and there's so much going on in his ears and i, I couldn't do it the countdown the count up whatever is going on in his ears he just deals with it and he's not the most organized person i don't know if you know him no, I don't. But, but he's just awesome he is 
he's a legend, mate. He really is. There, I've never known anyone to do his job like he does it. And I think he's going to have a job for life. I really do. Yeah, he's, he's spectacular at it. So we've got to round this up now because they've got to shut the garages down because the, the light's fading outside. I'm going to paint a picture for you like a cricket commentator. The light is fading. The gloaming is now set in. There's a silhouette of a new defender there, but there's the bright lights of an, an, an empty pit garage at Silverstone, which is actually quite a, an amazing looking thing. It's like, the, it's like the end of Layer Cake, where Michael Gammon's going, well, that's the Layer Cake, son. It feels like you're what about to deliver. What a cast that was. Um, um, there's also, I can't believe someone's bought a GT3 Touring in yellow. Was in yellow? I wrote, I wrote my, the other one oh, I liked. Was, yeah, that's mine. Oh. But the, um, oh, sorry, my mate. black one got written off. So no, I, I actually, get, I, I, actually yellow one. I do like yellow. Oh, you my dog t- we're talking about cars. Yeah. You've left your dog in the car. Oh, it's yeah. cold, it's all right. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, you're talking about cars that I own. I, I do actually have my dad's 57 Corvette. Do you? Still. Um, I bought it for him for his 60th. Uh, 57, so it's single head front headlight, um, three speed, uh, black with the silver sides, red interior. Would you allow yourself to wear a pink shirt whilst driving it? Oh, would I allow? I would only allow myself to wear a pink <laughs> shirt or drive it. Uh, I've also got, he had a 550, which was basically, he used to call his girlfriend. Burgundy 550. Regularly seen on the French Riviera, I yeah, gather. Yeah, exactly. And um, he, uh, he put sports exhausts on it now. So he was, he was older when he bought it. So he was quite deaf already. Uh, I drive it and I'm deaf after 30 seconds. It's so, so loud. you still got it? Yeah. You can never sell uh, that, can no, you? No, it's, uh, it's, it is stunning, that car. It's, it's a lovely car. So, so, yeah. so how did you, and this is the last question, you, you, have a, you, you appear to be glass half full to me. There, there is this sort of affability to you. You're smiley. There were times in the paddock when we'd watch you after a bad race being interviewed and you seem to be, of the last 20 years, the driver that somehow could put the bravest face on quite ropey situations. How on earth did you do that? Because the number of times you must have wanted to go, oh, just fuck off and leave me alone. And you never did. Uh, There was one time where I got told off. Was there? Just once? Once. It was 2005. Uh, It was, I remember, it was Malaysia. (laughs) Sepang. Qualified really well, quick. Um, And uh, it's actually the race that I raced with another British driver, it was Anthony Davidson. He jumped in for Takuma, who was ill. Yeah. Jumped in the car, and both went out. After half a lap, I think it was, my engine blew up. And uh, as I got taken back to the pits, I saw Anthony had blown up as well. Same lap. And I came back in, did the post-race interviews, and I said, they said, oh, that's disappointing. I said, yeah, it's not hard to make an engine last for half a lap, is it? Or something like that. And, <laughs> and they went off the charts. Yeah, Honda did. Uh, which is understandable, but I was so angry because it was something so simple that broke both engines. Um, and that was the only time I got told off for, for saying something. But it was amazing, and I think I mean, it could be viewed as a lack of personality always being good, but I think if you're a young person watching the sport, you don't want to see people totally lose their shit, do you? I, it's funny because we love re- re- reality TV, don't we, I yeah. mean, at the moment? But... Um, no, I mean, you've got to be controlled. You're also doing the best job in the world. Yeah. And you're not just the face for yourself. You are the face for an organization, a manufacturer, sponsors. Um, and you want to be someone that kids look up to. And if you're a spoiled brat, what are we going to end up with in Formula One? Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, it's, uh, it's been fantastic. So from collecting cars to Jensen Button, a big thank you. Best of luck this weekend. Don't worry about the balance performance. You'll nail them all. Um, and uh, but they have they are they get given a massive advantage as an am who's raced in that category. It's great to have the chance to race against you. And any any one of those British GT drivers that's whinging about you being on the grid should remember there's no other sport in the world where as an am we get to race against the world champion. Is there? Maybe darts or golf. <laughs> that, or triathlons. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So um, no, I'm excited. It's uh, 
it's just awesome to get back to the UK, mate, and race race on a circuit I love. I've never got a podium here in F1 car. Have you not? It's one of the only circuits I've never got on a podium. Oh, okay then. Long shorts, as they say, wherever. Let's see. Cheers, boss. Thank you. Collecting cars. The safe, smart and simple way to buy and sell collectible cars. An online auction platform for the UK and Europe. Follow us on Instagram at Collecting Cars and also CollectingCars.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.